0: Or, you know what? I can't wait to be able to say win the damn game again. It's been far too
1: long. You can even say that if you want to. I don't care.
0: <laughs> no, nah, no. We're in the wilderness. Got to save it for that last podcast before the season opener.
1: All right. Well, without any further ado, let's get things rolling in three, two, one. All right. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the five heart podcast brought to you by Coronation.com, hosted on jitterymonkey.com part of the jitterymonkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahachko joined by Haas Reuter uh, as the usual and uh, we're joined by uh, a third member of the coronation staff in Jill Heemstra. Jill, welcome back to the podcast.
2: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
1: And, Haas, let's let's smarten everybody up to why, you know, what we're doing over the next couple of months uh, as far as as bringing uh, some, you know, of these other contributors, some of these other, uh, our colleagues at Corn Nation, why we're bringing them on the show. Well,
0: we're bringing them on the show, all the various contributors and writers in Corn Nation to, for our listening audience which is probably like three people no but no we we pull, we pull good a, numbers a listening audience to learn more go ahead
1: I, we pull good numbers
0: oh wow sweet so it's just not us and then one other fan listening that's fantastic
1: no we, we've we've I was got, under the
0: impression that we are still pretty small time
1: we've got hundreds of listeners
0: well after this series we're gonna make it thousands
1: on occasion, we've had thousands, um, but but definitely right, you know, strong, strong hundreds. Um, I think by the time the football season rolls around, we'll definitely be in the tens of thousands range. Uh, advertisers are going to start knocking our uh, door down, or at least emailing politely, uh, and and trying to see how they can get their name associated with the Five Heart Podcast. But um, before we get into uh, what Haas has been uh, calling, at least off-air, the cross-examination. We're going to have to find a better name for that uh, because this is going to be a, a very friendly uh, conversation. Uh, let's talk about some, some Husker news and notes uh, that, that we've missed. If you are not aware, we took last week off. Uh, it was just a, a, a series of unfortunate incidents, for lack of a better term. Couldn't get schedules aligned. Haas, you were out of town and, uh, I and I was tired and we'll just kind of leave it at that. So, <laughs> um, but we've had, uh, some more attrition, uh, on, on the football side. Uh, Hoss, you want to, you want to fill us in on that?
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to, there's so much of it that's been going on. Um, I'm trying to think of who all is left. Keon Williams, son of Keith Williams, our former wide receivers coach left the program. And, uh I think that's more of a function of a crowded wide receiver room and trying to crack the starting lineup rather than anything associated with his dad being a member of the former coaching staff. And then, as well as uh, the Matt Snyder news about seeking, you know, ending his football career and just looking to continue his academic career at the University of Nebraska still. But yeah, I mean, that attrition, while. You know, some may see it as unfortunate. It gives guys opportunities to go elsewhere to get playing time, whether that's at a, a lower level FBS program or FCS level or maybe even Division II level programs. And it really helps us in terms of having open scholarships to add a potential graduate transfer or maybe just a normal transfer who will have to sit out a year before being eligible. And it also allows us to sign a bigger class in February it'd be really nice to be able to sign one of those 30 person classes that you see elsewhere in college football like Butch Jones at Tennessee was the master of the 30 32 person signing class and you can just get cast a wider net and get a lot more potential contributors in your class and i also think that the attrition of guys moving on is a good thing in terms of you know it gives the program an open scholarship to find contributors, and it gives guys the opportunities elsewhere to get some playing time because when you're a football player, that's ultimately what you want. You want to be able to get on the field and contribute. And you don't just want to go to practice and lift weights and study the playbook but not get on the field, so it's it, it's a good thing in my opinion. It needs to happen more often under Pelini and uh, Mike
1: Riley. Couple of names that uh, you know are are wearing uh, the scarlet and cream. Who uh, one will certainly be able to uh, participate or contribute uh, sooner than than uh, anticipated, and the other one who uh, was released from his scholarship at, at uh, Central Florida, Noah Vedral, is now going to be on scholarship in the fall, and the other one uh, that I alluded to, uh, Brian Dixon, uh, is eligible for. Uh, to to play this fall after transferring from you know from Ole Miss and and that uh, situation so a big boost on the defensive side and and at a time when uh, you know linebacker depth was kind of necessary
0: absolutely Uh, we need a guy like Breon Dixon he's a guy who can line up on the line of scrimmage to on the boundary as the jack linebacker and defend against backside runs, rush the passer, drop off into coverage to undercut a slant route. And he's kind of a Dijon Gomes, Eric Hagg type of player. And anytime you can get those hybrid type defenders who are sturdy against the run and still athletic enough to drop back into coverage, you're in good shape, especially with the amount of spread to run offenses that we see in the Big Ten. And uh, so getting him eligible was huge. That was... That's a big boost to the weak side of our defense. And then Noah Vedro, you know, it's great that he got put on scholarship. And while well, he probably won't be eligible this upcoming season, I think it opens up a quarterback battle in the spring, you know, in the spring of 19.
1: I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dejon Gomes, Eric Hag. Those are a couple of, I don't know if I want to say lost or forgotten, Members of, of you know some good Blackshirt defenses uh, from about a decade ago or so uh, who went on to, to play in the league and uh, contribute there. Jill, we look at, at some of these players who have you know I mean obviously everybody you know remembers Indama Kinsu or, or you know sees his contributions on Sundays. Rex Burkhead's and Amir Abdullah's, uh, but but. There's also, you know, I think a lot of people forget about, uh, you know, the, the Hags and the Gomes. Um, and it's just it, it's nice to see, you, you know, that coming out of Lincoln, they're, they're still, even though we only had one draft pick and, and lots of, you know, players who, who, you know, are invited to camps now, you know, for for rookies and, and undrafted free agents. It's, it's kind of nice to see that tradition continue of, of Huskers into the into the NFL.
2: Yeah, as somebody who's been a Denver Broncos fan for a long time, I've been watching uh, what they call the no-fly zone. And, you know, as a Husker fan, I feel like I watched the no-fly zone in 2010 and even a little bit in 2009 with those guys, you know, Mukumara and and Gomes um, and Haig and was it Washington and, um, oh, I'm forgetting the other one. The Al- other cornerback that Denner. played across the Yeah,
1: yeah. I think you're thinking of uh, yes, Alfonso Denerd. Yeah.
2: It, yeah. I mean, those guys were college's version of the no-fly zone, and it'd be fun to see if uh, Nebraska can bring that kind of talent back.
1: It's you know, we we we're certainly not going to dwell. You know enough's been you know enough words have been either spoken or written about you know particularly the 0-9 team and gosh darn if they only had an offense but that defense was something you know really special and and be it the no fly zone or uh, you know the the I don't know if there's a uh, I was trying to think a no run zone I, I was trying to be witty and it and it obviously didn't happen uh, this time around but but uh, I do expect good things from a Scott Frost defense. Um, even though it's the second year of a three, four, it's going to still be the first year for, you know, the Janander version of the three, four. When we all saw Bob Diaco's version and, and uh, it, it looked more like a, a one. It. It, lo- it, it looked like a one, two and a lot of holes in space uh, is, is what the, the Bob <laughs> Diaco three, four looked like. Um, so, I know Frost is, you know, out there in in tempering expectations and preaching patience, and I think there's something to that, uh, though, you know, and I'm sure we'll get to it in this off season, in this series, one of our fellow coronation uh, friends, uh, said that that's essentially Frost's way of, you know, buying time and, you know, and, and, and came, came across that, that statement a little cynically, but, but, um, I do think there's something to that. This is for a lot of these guys; it's their, you know, third or fourth defense that they're seeing here at the college level, or, or you know, trying to implement at the college level. And and it will take time. Uh, but I was still pleased with you know what we saw from uh, you know the spring game and, and and what I think we can consider the ones. Uh, and I think that there's been enough. Uh, additions in the offseason to be a little more excited about uh, the defensive unit in 2018
0: yeah i definitely think so um like you alluded to about the three four another year of three four albeit eric Chenander's brand of it his brand of it's a lot more attacking and aggressive than bob diaco's uh while diaco was content to sit back in soft coverage and blitz from depth and not cover slot receivers on screens or short routes. Shenander will adjust to formations and uh, a lot more aggressive. He'll have guys knifing through gaps rather than scraping to the outside to contain the play. And um, A lot more of a, I don't mean it in a bad way, but it's a lot more of a gambling-style defense. You know, you're going to gamble on a couple of blitzes or on a couple of calls and hope that you Excuse me. Catch the defense or catch the offense in a call that you know you can exploit. So it's it's a night and day difference. Um, Bob Diaco's defense is branded three four is very static. It was very stationary. Shenander's version of it is very dynamic, constantly moving players around. You know, bringing guys from different directions, not being predictable, not allowing the offense to block. The front exactly as it's drawn up on the whiteboard, which you got. You know, you can't do that unless you just have a defensive line like the LA Rams, who are just going to absolutely destroy the hopes and dreams of the rest of the NFL this year. But
2: yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Oh God, it's <laughs> terrifying. And Chiefs have to go they there. They not
2: only know. have Sue and Donald, but Wade Phillips. Mm-hmm. Could- them all in position that yeah the NFL just doesn't stand a chance.
0: Even though I absolutely hate the Denver Broncos, I've always loved Wade Phillips. So when he was there, it was it was a little bit of it was a little bittersweet.
1: Do let, let's let's talk briefly. And again, this is not an NFL podcast, but since you all mentioned, we do we, talk about NFL though. We do, but is it not because I love the league, man? Right, Wade Phillips. Being the defensive mind that he was, still unable to win the big one, uh, you know, in, in all those years in Dallas, would you liken his career? I'm, 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 I'm absolutely not meaning temperament, but maybe coaching philosophy. Would you liken that to a Bo Pelini? more defensive minded, and if only the offense, you know, kind of pulled its weight, type of thing that that there could have been more success there, or or am I reaching and and by all means, please tell me if I'm reaching.
0: No, I think that's actually a pretty appropriate comparison because he always made in game decisions to protect his defense and, you know, not put his defense into bad positions. I think the biggest thing I did in Dallas was dealing with Jerry Jones before Jerry Jones had his GM responsibilities yanked away from him by his son, Stephen Jones. So. But, yeah, I mean, that. looking back on the years he was there after taking over for Parcells after, I think, 06, it really was a defensive-minded Dallas Cowboys football team.
2: And, see, I would sort of disagree with you, Greg, in watching Wade's next stint with the Broncos, you know, that 2014-15 time, it was not a defense that, waited to see what the offense did that 2015 Denver Broncos offense drug a corpse of an offense to a Super Bowl championship and it was uh, an absolutely remarkable masterful
1: no oh, here we go
2: performance by a maestro of a defensive coordinator and no, he's I- got even more toys in LA this year than he had in Denver in 2015 and it's got to be terrifying to any offensive coordinator who's on the schedule for LA
0: No, I totally agree with Jill here That Wade Phillips in 2015 in Denver what they did to shut down New England in the AFC championship game that was a magnificent defensive performance New England couldn't get anything going on in that game
2: well anytime Tom Brady was a a crying, petulant <laughs> child of a quarterback in that game, and it was amazing to watch. Yeah, he did complain quite a bit in that game.
1: Anytime New England can lose, awesome. And I'm sorry, I know you're primarily a Chiefs fan who's, who is a Belichick fan, but anytime New England can lose is, is a good day, in my book. Let us move forward then and get to uh, the, the reason. It's a, it's a three-member panel, so to speak, uh, this week. And that is we're going to shine the spotlight on Jill Heemstra, the only coordination contributor. I, I'm trying to figure it, Without the Y chromosome? I, I can't. Two X chromosomes, yeah. right? I think so. I'm trying to remember <laughs> high school biology and, and failing. Um, Haas, do you have your list of questions <laughs> readily available
0: I do not I'm trying to pull that up in our uh, our, our chat
1: okay well while you do that I will start and right. we yeah, we started working on this list just this week Jill so we are uh, comedians our comedians like our friends at the Big Red Cobcast Pat and Tweety would say that we are um, uh, workshopping this but, but uh, we're going to have okay. some fun and and by the way, shout out to those guys. I, I do. I, I love their show. And Tweety is is top notch entertainment. There, in, in case he's listening, thumbs up, Tweety. Pat, you're still informative as hell. Tweety's entertaining as crap. So, uh, oh,
2: I'm so glad they're gone. Right? Wasn't it? Okay, I'm just kidding. I said I'm so glad they're gone. Right? <laughs> Be honest. I think you know what. Okay. I, yeah, I'm kidding.
1: I think it. I think too. it's. A, I think it's a little <laughs> give and take. You know, I think they're sacrificing some of their uh, uh, freedoms for for uh, the the contract. I, I've heard them talk about the contract and the words they're not allowed to say. Uh, so yeah. um, we don't have that problem over here.
0: I, uh, I, I baited Tweedy into dropping an f bomb last time <laughs> that I was on with. Them. And when I went back and listened to it, it drop, hearing it bleeped out was one of the greatest moments <laughs> of my life. So. And let me put it this way to put it in perspective how great of a person Pat is, after the Husker salute to the troops at the Corn Husker Marriott back in October, both him and I ordered some Coors banquets in the hotel bar.
1: Well, nobody's perfect.
0: Uh, Pat, <laughs> Pat Jansen is a gentleman and a scholar.
1: Pat Jansen from Auburn, Nebraska.
0: Yep. There you go. The pride of, is that Nemoha County? I have no idea. I'm, I'm. I'm, Yeah, we'll go. I'm just Apologies to any listeners from
1: Auburn. I'm just glad I said Auburn and not Aurora, because I could have easily messed that one up. So, uh, Jill, we might have addressed a few of these, you know, earlier in in the year when you were on talking uh, women's basketball, but we're just going to. We're, we're going to go down the list and have some fun. Sounds great. All right. And, and yes or no answers would be adequate. Um, but, you know, if you want to, I don't want to say embellish. Uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? If you want to elaborate, um, then.
2: Drunkenly yeah.
1: mumble. Yes, because and, and I think it's important for people to know that you started drinking at ten o'clock this morning, um, so.
2: <laughs> it wasn't light that early. It was more like six p.m., but we'll go with your version.
1: <laughs> I, it, uh, all I know is that, and I feel I feel bad about this. We had to pull you away from from the fire pit uh, to record tonight. Um, but uh, let, let us begin, shall we? And. Question numero uno: uh, Are you a Nebraska native? I don't believe you are. You're, you're from. You hail from the great state of South Dakota, originally, correct?
2: I'm a I'm a northerner. Yes, I grew up in South Dakota, and I am a South Dakota State alumni, which alumnus, which I think most of our readers know after my uh, <laughs> my uh, March Madness. Um, sort of uh, predictions or my prodding people which teams to cheer for in March Madness since Nebraska hasn't made it. Um, but yes, I grew up, up north and my husband is from Minnesota and I refused to go that far north to live and, and we ended up in the tropical state of Nebraska.
1: First of all, yeah, we all remember you trying to make South Dakota... Uh, fandom a thing on Coronation. It didn't happen. <laughs> uh, it, it was a valiant effort, uh, but it was for naught.
2: Oh, come on. Mike Dawn's a Nebraska native. Surely a few people converted temporarily. Uh, we can we can put Jaskers to the side and, and make it Jacksters. Okay, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so...
1: South Dakota. How did you all end up in Nebraska then? If if you're originally from from the Dakota and uh, the good Dakota, we don't talk about North Dakota, uh, and and your husband being from Minnesota. How how as you said that the tropical uh, region of Nebraska, uh, obviously it's it's the warmest climate of the three. But how what what brought you then to the Great Corn Husker State?
2: Yeah, well, he got a job in Nebraska. I decided I had too much invested in him to follow anybody else around. So I got a job in Nebraska, too, and insisted he marry me, and here we are. You, you,
1: you, you'd already had him broken in and trained up right and, and didn't want didn't to let him go and have to start I all just, over.
2: I just, yeah, didn't want to start over.
1: So... Were were the Huskers on your radar before you moved to Nebraska, or is this something that you picked up after you after you got to Nebraska, or, or had you been a Husker fan before that?
2: No, quite honestly, the Huskers were kind of a joke in some ways, and and it sounds terrible that the mid nineties that they were, but you know, in South Dakota and whatnot, we were the jokes were about you know what's the difference between Tom Osborne and Nebraska, or uh, Tom Osborne and uh, Cheerios. Well, Cheerios belongs in a bowl. (laughs) Yeah. But when I moved to Nebraska and my paycheck started to come from the University of Nebraska, (laughs) my loyalties changed quickly. I also moved here in 1996, which was a Either a great or a terrible time to become a Husker fan, depending on your perspective. And so I was quickly converted. And I figured that there would never be a conflict of interest between being a South Dakota State fan and a University of Nebraska fan.
0: And then we played.
2: Uh, And you know what? We wore both red and blue to those games, and it was kind of funny, even as season ticket holders at the time, my husband and I were wearing both Jackrabbit and Cornhusker gear, and Nebraska fans treated us like we were visitors. They're like, oh, we hope you had a good time here. Oh, what a great game. And I just had to laugh. because
1: oh, We'll see you next week. Was
2: only- <laughs> yeah, That's yeah, like, okay, yeah, I'll see you guys next next week.
1: <laughs> Alright, so... I have I have a question, and Haas is going to hate it. Um, do you have any other Tom Osborne or Husker jokes, Nebraska jokes? I, oh gosh!
0: Hey, I always I own up to the N stands for knowledge. I work with a few Iowa grads, and they're always like, they even <laughs> teach anything down there?" I'm like, "Hey man, N stands for knowledge."
2: Yeah. Oh gosh, no! I that was that was like my whole. So cool.
1: that that was your one that that was that was your whole that set list ahead. right there
2: <laughs> okay,
1: well well you kind of answered my my second my follow-up question then uh, in in that one as, as you know it, I was about to ask you know what what was the catalyst to becoming a fan and, and like you said when you're g- getting a check and and uh, and having you know season ticket, your loyalties start to uh, start to change a, a little bit so uh, I for one, and I speak just for myself, but I think everyone at Coronation would agree. And at all of the Coronation readers, I, we're all glad that you switched over.
2: <laughs> well, it wasn't even that much of a switch. It wasn't hard at all to convince me to be a Cornhusker fan. I mean, this state just sort of adopts people. And we haven't, you know, painted a big red N on the side of our house or anything yet. So we're still marked as the outsiders, but... <laughs> We're getting
1: closer. I I guess I forget that you know because it's been so long since I've driven through Nebraska. But yeah, that's a thing. I mean, and in, in, in joking, yeah. And in, if you're you know living, I'm I'm sure I'm assuming if you're living in 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 a suburb, you know, in a neighborhood, you're probably not doing that. But you know, just driving by and seeing a barn, you know that that has just a big red N on a block N. It's I don't know it. it it reminds you that of of the pride that you know kind of happens statewide I don't see that in Illinois like I, I don't see you know and I'm not saying that because there's Illinois and Northwestern because especially down here and really outside of Chicago nobody gives a rip about northwestern uh, to begin with um, yeah take that Pat Fitzgerald <laughs> yeah uh, and a few other things um, but it's it's such a blending I mean I you know I, I a lot of Kentucky fans around here because as I've mentioned on, on the show before, football's just not a big thing in Illinois. So when, when you talk about basketball, you've, you know, you are close to Kentucky and, and, and yeah, Illinois is a thing, but it, there's also the bowls. You have Indiana right there. So you got Pacers or, or, you know, you've got Hoosiers or even, you know, Cavaliers. I know a lot of people who are not, uh, you know, Ohio natives who are Cavs fans, and that's the that's the basketball that they follow. But but uh, Nebraska f- and football especially is the state's identity. So when you're you know, be it you know Gretna, for example, to Ogallala, there is there's that that one common thread, and and it, and it really does unite the state. And I don't say that just because yeah, they're both on, on i-80. I, I'm not saying that, but
2: <laughs> No, you're right because I, I actually started to take a lot of uh, photos and I'm actually considering like this is a great book idea just to stop in. Like people build a fence around their yard and it's not even a big giant red end. they just they build an end into the design of their fence. They have a, You know the front walkway Has stepping stones That have That spell out huskers You know the mailbox Is made I, the, A frame Where the top part of the frame is an N And the bottom part of the frame is a U It's just Part of the Fabric, part of the consciousness Of this State and we're two and a half hours out of Lincoln, where I live. This isn't even the suburbs of Lincoln. We are outstate. And it's just accepted. If you have Husker, whatever, you're normal. I, I drove by a building site where it was just the frame of a building. It's the steel frame. And they had to. Hang up a pallet with a big red N on it, and, and the build. And as the building was finished, eventually some some decoration was put on. But because the building wasn't even finished yet, they felt like they had to stake out that identity. And it was there's just this pallet hanging in the wind with the big red N painted on it on a unfinished building. It was. It's crazy how how much people. Identify with the Huskers. And it, it's also great. And it's part of the reason why I became a fan. It's like you can't live here and you can't breathe and you can't be part of this state without understanding that identity.
1: That, I, by the way, I, I, totally I agree. And, and that would make a great book, you know, like a coffee table book that's, you know, There's, more pictures than, than, uh, you, 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 things like that you don't need a whole lot of words you could you could put a hundred you know 150 pages together that's just pictures with you know uh, uh, so-and-so's house in in you know grant Nebraska uh, there there's a small house in in uh, out there in Perkins County that has a husker gnome uh, on you know out in the garden that I I dropped off uh, after leaving Scott's Bluff back in uh, about five years ago It was April of uh, of 2013 now it wasn't a random house uh it's my buddy's mom's house i I joked with her about you know uh, leaving some husker item at her house and so while she was still up in scotts bluff you know the day after the wedding and my wife and i were uh driving away we detoured in fact the only downside of of the detour was we ended up driving back through kansas which is never fun um but we detoured and and i dropped this husker gnome off and put it in her garden uh, and so she was thrilled when, when she came home and saw it. But uh, yeah, so that led to a uh, getting pulled over for speeding in Kansas, which uh, I'll never forgive Kansas for. Um, well, only three things
0: come out of Kansas, Greg. Okay,
2: Beating tickets is one.
0: Uh, well, has everyone here seen the outlaw Josie Wales? <laughs> If, okay, we got one.
1: If I have, it's been so long ago. So uh, smart me up. Fresh the memory. All right.
0: Three things come out of Kansas sunshine, sunflowers, and sons of
1: bitches. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I will. I, see, I thought you were going to go a different way when you said three things come out of Kansas. I'm like, Brooke Barringer?
0: No, <laughs> I, I mean, good say. Highway 81, I-35, and I-70, but, you know, had to keep it with the Western movie reference.
1: So, Haas, you, you've got the list of questions now.
0: Yes, I do. Oh, oh my phone went, <laughs> went black on me. All right, we're good. Okay, we went through the Nebraska native yep. and the second question. Yep. Jill, do you have an all-time favorite Nebraska player?
2: You know... We were talking about that today in the chat room And I'm a sucker for running backs I really am You know I love my Amir Abdullah's My Rex Burkhead's And all the ones that came before that You know it's hard to not like them But I I know people are going to disagree with me on this one But I still Think that Taylor Martinez was Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment. He was just a fun Husker to watch in some ways because you just never knew what was happening next.
0: Yeah, he shaved years off my life.
2: (laughs) Uh, You know, you knew what was going to happen when Rex or Amir got the ball. You just loved watching those guys. You loved loved watching a a Schlesinger. You loved watching an Adamic and throw Colt McCoy around. That That's yeah. probably my favorite moment as a Husker fan, is just watching Sue tossing McCoy around. I'm like, yeah. That's amazing.
0: I'll never but, forget. I was in Dallas for that game, and I'll never forget when that happened. Just the silent. It was just stunned silence came over the crowd. And everyone was but, looking at each other, just like, is that is that allowed?
2: I know. It was like a Heisman moment, because you knew one player most Definitely, lost the Heisman in that moment, and another player won it, but he was never going to be given it.
0: I always wonder if he could have got, if Sue could have gotten a paw on that field goal at the end, if that would have been just seal up the Heisman for him, and it would have been, you know, not even a discussion after that, because that would have been just a crowning moment to an already dominant performance.
2: Yeah, you just yeah on field. He was just on a different level And I think you're right If And I think he's even Said in interviews He feels like he failed Not doing that And, and he, that's how you know How dominant he was Is like I couldn't block a field goal As a defensive tackle You know Really you <laughs> But yeah I mean just You watch Sue and It was like watching somebody who just was schooling everybody else.
0: Mm -hmm. He he was a menace to the rest of college football that year.
2: uh, Yeah, absolutely. It just wasn't even fair in some ways. It's like, how did Bill Callahan give such an amazing gift to Bo Pelini to have and Sue sitting there and, and Pelini, I, if I remember correctly, Sue was talking about leaving or transferring, and Pelini's like, well, fine, because you suck <laughs> mm-hmm. on film. And, and he came back, and he was coached up to be just that level. You know, it, 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 you know if Pelini could have put that recruiting piece with his developmental abilities we probably wouldn't be having most of the conversations we're having now as as Husker fans. Well, that
0: leads perfectly into the next question that I have. Which failed head coach do you wish would have been more successful out of Solich, Callahan, Pelini, or Riley?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's hard because, you know, Solich was failing so slowly But he was making changes, and you feel like maybe he could have, you know, Callahan, I feel like, was not redeemable by the time, he he wasn't even trying. Um, You know, and and Solich, I still feel like he was fired too early, he should have been allowed to fail more. And Polini quite honestly Probably should have been allowed to fail It it is kind of a toss up between Solich and Polini There are just so many parallels They were making the changes But they just didn't Make them quickly enough And they didn't produce results Quickly enough And they they had such large failings In some other areas that maybe Maybe it just was Only a matter of time
0: Yeah that's kind of as time's gone on, I've always been in the camp of Solich needed to go after 3 But as time's gone on, I kind of think they should have at least given him 4 after making the changes, you know, bringing in Barney Cotton as offensive coordinator and Bo Pelini as defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. if the university administration leadership were as hell-bent on firing him as 2003 showed us, the change should have happened after the 7-7 and season in 2002. But, yeah, I'm, I I lean more towards, of all people, wishing that they were more successful, Callahan, just because of his recruiting ability. And if he would have just let Cosgrove go to Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings linebacking, linebacker coaching job in 06, and bring in someone who could actually be a good D.C., things could have ended up differently. But part of me wonders what you know, Solich could have been like with 04.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, Solich really was either fired too early or too late. it mm-hmm. just it was not well timed. Polini he you know, he needed to go. I I just
0: Yeah, run he his was, course at that point.
2: Yeah, he really had run his course. And he probably needed to go a year earlier than he did. Mm-hmm. But it, um, Riley yeah,
0: speaks for itself.
2: Yeah, Riley yeah, that's not even a conversation. You know, he had that one year where I thought maybe he'd figured it out, mm-hmm. but then it just all fell apart again, worse than ever. I mean Diaco just destroyed every hope and dream that coaching staff had.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I was I was re watching some some of the games from last year for a upcoming article and finally get a breakout articles again after a seven-month layoff, but I forgot just how maddening Diaco was in games. Just his refusal to adjust, and just his overall defensive philosophy, and then coupled that with his uh, interviews where he basically spoke in riddles to the media, and it was just not a good situation. Disrupted every bit of homeostasis within the program, bringing him in, and Mark Banker, I thought he coached well enough in 16 to garner another year in 17 but um even if a change needed to be made it shouldn't have been diaco brought aboard in 17
2: and i i'm not as prescient as you ryan i you know i wasn't a banker fan but i was like well he he's okay i mean right people smarter than me are showing faith in him and then all of a sudden he was gone and diaco was there and he looked like maybe he would be a the signs were there that there was some hope and, mm-hmm. and as a Husker fan you cling to those. You don't see those negative signs and well, yeah, it just it destroyed everything.
1: <laughs> it was
0: that, yeah, that's the that's the best way to put it. That is spot on actually. You you look past the negativity and say, Oh well, you know, He'll get it figured out, or, okay, you know, he's kind of different, but all right.
1: He's got resources here that he didn't have up there. Yep. <laughs> and I, I still... Go ahead, Jill.
2: Oh, I'm just laughing. I'm like, oh, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the resources, that was a favorite argument of mine throughout the Riley era. And, uh, yeah, that um, I've never been more wrong about anything in my life, and I'll willingly admit that.
1: I want to uh, I, I want to run back up real quick. Uh, we were talking about Endama Sue and you know the you know being hard on himself about not blocking that field goal and and missing out on the Heisman. He was the number two draft pick, uh, of course, to the Detroit Lions. Do we remember who the number one draft pick was? Sam Bradford to the Rams, and isn't it funny now where uh, Sue is is going to be playing? Yep, the <laughs> NFC West. Well, I mean
0: and re- two
2: games a year against Bradford and the Cardinals. <laughs> oh, that's gonna
0: be not safe for work. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and, and <laughs> Bradford. Bradford's
2: knee is gonna explode at the sight of Sue uh, <laughs>
1: on
2: the field. <laughs> I was gonna
1: say, yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam's kind
2: fragile
0: as it is, so yeah, he's made out of glass.
1: All right, so we, we've we talked about your uh um, you know all time favorite player or players I uh, and you mentioned that watching Sue dominate in that big 12 championship game and throwing Colt McCoy around was uh, your favorite moment uh, in in husk football is there anything maybe outside of football that that might trump that you know I know you follow uh, Nebraska women's basketball very closely do you have any other you know like like shining you know, Husker moments. Uh, besides, you know, I mean, I, I know you, you know, obviously are, are you know a fan of other moments, but a- anything that ranks up there with with Sue's Big Twelve championship performance.
2: Oh gosh, well, I think you know, no sit Sunday for Nebraska ball was a pretty awesome thing, but it didn't come close to having the, you know, the gravita That's of that right. Big Twelve Championship game. Yeah, and I'm a big track fan. I was a, I ran track at South Dakota State myself and so I I secretly follow track and field in Nebraska never disappoints there. They always seem to have a lot of track and field athletes. And I think this past season both the men's and women's gymnastics teams made the national finals, and that's a pretty remarkable thing. But it's kind of hard to uh, put anything out there other than maybe the volleyball championship this past year with a team that just wasn't expected to be there and just clawed and fought their way. And won a national championship. That was a pretty remarkable effort in Husker athletics for a team that just didn't have that expectation. So, and that I was put that, up there.
1: that was a buildup that was just really fun to watch. Uh, you know, they had the Big Ten tournament. They they are what did they say the only team to beat Penn State like twice in in a year, or, or and end up being I think three times in a year, because they met in. In the quarterfinal or or semifinal, something like that, um, and which was widely regarded as—I mean, I know they ended up beating Florida in the in the championship, but but that Nebraska Penn State—it's really turned into one of the, I think, premier rivalries or premier matchups in not just volleyball but in college athletics because you have two legendary programs built on, on a foundation of success and they get to meet each other once or twice every year in regular season and then you have them you know they're on the same side of the bracket in, in heading into the uh, championships and I think that was widely regarded as uh, the national championship you know the winner of that would, would go on to win it all and of course Nebraska did but but what a, what a sensational story that was and, and like you said the expectations were not there I mean they, they'd be good but I don't you know few people maybe outside of the diehard fans, uh, and outside of that locker room thought that they would be competing and contending for a national championship. And, and they do it and, and they they pull it off and, and when they're second in three years, I think something like that. So, um, uh, mm-hmm. what, yeah, great, great, uh, great pull there, Jill.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll have to have Ty on and, and he can, uh, Verify whether or not this was One of the best ones but It just was a, It's something that stands out to me As far as a, a Sport that a lot of people in Nebraska Follow and a lot of people care about And it being just Something that Really Was remarkable And, and You know we're a Volleyball school now we just have to accept that
1: Uh, Haas, did you hear that? Yeah.
0: uh, I'm as happy as anyone about volleyball winning national championships, but uh, you know those Confederate soldiers who refused to acknowledge that the war was over? (laughs) That's me when it comes to football. I will not rest until there's another national championship pelt tacked up on the wall.
1: I like that.
2: that. And you know, with, with Frost there... That's what the expectation is now, isn't it? Like, within four years, we're supposed to be there?
0: 2022, New Orleans, Louisiana, in the Superdome. I'm calling my shot now.
1: <laughs> All right, Babe Ruth, settle down. Um, I'll probably be there. If you go, can you give me a ticket? Yeah, I'll pick you up along the way. Hey, that's fine. I'll help drive. Hoss uh, and Hooch on Bourbon Street. Oh, God, no, That that's... That's probably not going to work. Uh, I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, well, by that point, I'll be uh, I'll be 32 years old. So, uh, all right, I'll probably,
0: be
2: one of the, I probably won't be one a of spry the hottest, when it
0: comes to being out late.
2: And won't you be one of the hottest rising stars in college football at that point? Right?
0: Yeah. So you want some, somewhere like UNK, cool. <laughs> or some junior college, no one's ever heard of, which I'd
1: I'd be cool with. So by by. <laughs> By uh, 2020, the the national championship game that year, I'll be doing math in my – wait, 2022, you said? Yeah. All right, so I'll be 39 on my way to 40. Uh, You have fun at Bourbon Street, youngster. I'll be asleep by
0: 930. Buy a T-shirt.
1: That's fine. Uh, I will have uh, drank my Metamucil. I will have watched my Golden Girls, and I will be uh, drifting off to uh, sleep. Nine thirty. You
0: know, we're still doing. Lord help us, we're still doing the podcast (laughs) by twenty twenty two. I will call in from
1: Bourbon Street for the podcast. I'll just take the equipment. And I won't even
2: I won't even comment on how old I am and the fact that I just had my oldest son graduate this past weekend. You guys are making me feel really old.
0: By the way, how'd the graduation party go?
2: It was awesome. We had there was a total of twenty-three people staying overnight at our house, and all were planned. This was not a crazy college-type party where just people showed up randomly and didn't leave. But we had twenty-three people. Everybody had beds. Oh, wow, and, that's a lot of beds. Um, it was what, yes. What what was and the uh, it, what was
1: the rate going for for a room? At the Heemstra Residence.
2: <laughs> well, my brother in law gave me a twelve pack of really nice Colorado native um, amber lager beer. Okay. So the, they got one of the preferred rooms.
1: Right now, if if Haas would have showed up with a with a sixer of Coors Banquet, you probably let him sleep outside.
2: He'd have gotten a tent. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: jokes on all of you guys. I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> It, it, so, as we as we head towards the end uh, of our debut of of I don't know I, I guess for now we'll, we'll call it the cross examination we we do need to find a right. a, a happier word for it. Um, t- Jill, tell us a, a little bit about uh, how you uh, started getting involved with coronation and and when you when you became a contributor.
2: Oh yeah. Well, I well, for a long time I just lurked in red. I didn't even have an account or anything. I just watched and would reload a page. You creep. and then I signed up. yeah, I, I, was, a, I was a total creep. <laughs> and uh, then I would I signed up for an account and I started commenting. and then I commented more often. And then John started making jokes about, well, you should write for us. And finally, I sent him an e- email one night. I suppose I probably had more beer than I should one night. And I sent him an email. So, are you serious? Do you want a female writer? And he's like, yeah. What are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that sounds like John. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Old> John. <laughs>
2: And suddenly I was added to the listserv, and I had author privileges, and that's that's it. I had no expertise. I had no special. Uh, I think my first season I did a lot of rhyming things. We did corny poetry, I called it.
1: Yeah, I missed the Husker haiku. I think that needs to come back in 2018. I forgot oh, you about should, that.
2: We should do more haiku, yes.
1: I th- you know what, and and there's probably zero correlation whatsoever, but I think the team played better when we did Husker haiku.
2: You know, poetry went away during the Riley era. It, A lot of things yeah. did. A lot of things did, yeah. <laughs> A mean, lot of things that made sense during the, the Riley era. <laughs> um, Mark Baker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah read. so yeah so we'll uh, yeah we'll, well and i think we even had what would we call it a mad libs poetry where i would post something and have blanks and people would send me emails or put in the comments their what they filled in the blanks with and and i wouldn't even tell them the the poem i just say okay i need a a noun a verb uh, this this and this and then We'd have an article where their uh, their contributions filled in the poetry. And those were those were classics. I
1: don't remember those <laughs> as had, much.
2: Yeah, we had um, the year we played Northwestern, they were having their alternate uniforms and they were gothic uniforms. Uh, and so oh, we had yeah, gothic, yeah, so We had gothic poetry. Mad Libs gothic poetry. Poetry on coordination. Oh God! That was like the high moment of my my authorship on CN was was soliciting Mad Libs gothic poetry. It, it was nothing will ever top it.
1: I, I kind of have to <laughs> chuckle. I, hold on, I'm, I'm pulling about it up right now. Go go ahead, Hoss.
0: I was just gonna say I kind of have to chuckle about the story of how you got involved with coordination because it seems like everyone at coordination has been such just kind of a, Oh, okay. I'll contribute. You know, it wasn't, not a lot of pomp and circumstance, just kind of happened, you know, no one really planned on it. I don't, from like my perspective, I definitely did not plan on it until Brian contacted me about it, but it just kind of seems like uh, it's like Denny's. You don't go to Denny's. You just end up there.
1: <laughs> and you regret it afterwards. For Denny's, not for Coronation. I need to specify. Okay, so <laughs> it, it was October 17th, 2014. And and I Googled, this is what I did. I, I Googled Coronation, uh, Mad Lib, Gothic poetry. Um, so oh, here, no. Yeah, no, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read one. Or, no, I'm going to read Oh, right. Yeah, so... This, and again, just as Jill said, she, you know, sought out you, the coronation, Nation, uh, contribution. So he, here we have, What Have You Done? That's the name of this poem. What have ye wrought, a second put back in a shadowy cloud on the clock? Once oh, we experienced Sue, glad-hearted and McCoy in hand, but your heart perished, a painful Morris Morass Morris? Morass. Well, it's it's, morass. it's gross. Say, no, it's 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 M-O-R-A-S-S. And it's coronation, yeah. so I'm pronouncing it morass. A, a painful yeah, yeah, morass of almost emotions follow field goal, follow memory, quarterback ground to dust, in a pass rush of vengeance, I still believe. Ooh, that. Ooh, those last two lines. Woo! Those are good. So one of the ones that was, uh, I suppose, submitted. Yeah, so here we go. Here, here are the user submissions um, the, You know, from the Mad Lib aspect. And as soon as it reloads. So we have Jet Sweep Nightmares. Haas, get your beer, man. Uh, yeah. You're going
0: to need it. I still, Yeah, I still have flashbacks.
1: We enter the battle with hearts aglow, favored by much. Not knowing how soon we will feel abysmal, football is a cruel, dark trench coat. The vamp kids cheer for what seems like hours as Badger running backs jet sweep. First they go down, and then again six more times. Why? Why can we not stop them from smoking more cigarettes? We leave the field miserable. We sought the roses but found the thorns.
0: (laughs) That was the 2014 Wisconsin
1: game? I, I believe so.
0: Oh, that's a dark day. So, I went Chernobyl that day.
1: So anyway, they're they're out there. I'm I'm going to keep that link up and and uh, and make it accessible once more uh, for this.
0: Jill, I I agree with Greg. I think we should bring those back. Those are fantastic.
2: <laughs> okay, more Mad Libs poetry coming up for Scott Frost's inaugural season.
1: All right. And, and I mean, really, who doesn't want more positivity? I think everybody gets a kick out of it. Uh, Jill, you're wildly popular uh, on Coronation. And uh, what is one thing? Now, Haas, this is a curveball because this is a, this is a question I uh, came to on the fly. What's one thing that you've learned about your fellow Husker fans, particularly in the uh, Slack Coronation chat room? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Gotta have to remember. Am I that supposed
2: question. to say it out loud?
1: Have at, just bear it yeah, all out there. Yeah, we're we're all adults <laughs> here. Damn it. We're all
0: friends here. This is a circle of trust.
2: We are just, we are all demented in our own way, and we are all accepting of our dementias, which is such a um, remarkable change from the outside world where people. Do not accept people who are different. <laughs> and in coordination, we just celebrate it, which is, the whole world should be more like coordination, quite honestly. That's
1: beautiful. That uh, That's touching. That really hits me. In my, <laughs> that, that hits me in the five heart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, y'all like that? Yeah, that, 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 that's a joke. Uh, all right, so that that does it for our first ever uh, coronation cross examination. Damn it! I guess it's just gonna have to. stay Haas. I hate you. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jill. Thank you so much for uh, uh, going on this maiden voyage with us and uh, and being such a, a damn good sport and, and always being so willing to come on the show and and uh, uh, share your wisdom and have have great conversations with us.
2: I was happy to do it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you, Jill.
1: That'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Remember, everybody, uh, you can find us on your favorite podcast uh, app. I'm going to list a few. Find it on others if if you use them. I know David McGee is still big on Overcast. uh, We'll talk to David this summer, I'm sure. Um, But Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, to name a few. Uh, of course, coordination.com, jitterymonkey.com, uh, where you can find these uh, and and listen to them if there. But I think apps are probably the way to go. And, and, you know, subscribe, leave a rate and a review, and let us know what you think. If you love the show, great. If you hate the show, that's fine. Just give us a five star review anyway. Who cares?
0: We got thick skin.
1: Yeah, we're all, you
0: know, I've, I've been. You can, add, you can add us on Twitter.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I'm... Alright, since you said that, Haas, because you have, on occasion, made a bold proclamation and then said, don't at me.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I wholly disagree with the nonsense of don't at me after making a bold proclamation. <laughs> You're basically saying my opinion is unrefutable and uh, I do not want any more conversation on the subject whatsoever. So... Anytime... Yeah, it's very spunk. Yes. I'm, I'm throwing this out to the listeners. Anytime you see Haas or anybody making such a, uh, a proclamation and saying, don't at me, at them. You at them, sons of bitches, and you say, I'm, I have a differing opinion, or maybe I have a similar opinion. But there's no reason to cut off the conversation right there. You can find me on Twitter at TheHooch36, and I don't tweet that much, so at me all the time because... You know, strike a conversation. You can also uh, uh, follow the show on Twitter at the number 5 Heart Podcast. Of course, Facebook as well. uh, 5 Heart Podcast. It's spelled out that time. Of course, you can follow and at Haas at Haas Reuter. R-E-U-T-E-R. And that'll be it for this episode of the 5 Heart Podcast. I'm Greg Mahochko. That's Haas Reuter. And Jill Heemstra, who has uh, apparently left the building, we remind you that this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need go big red
0: win the damn off season this is a production of the jittery monkey podcast network for more jittery shenanigans go to jitterymonkey.com